Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It is my pleasure to welcome back Fred Schenkelberg to the podcast. Welcome back, Fred. Yeah, very glad to be here, James. Thanks for the invite. Excellent. So, you know, people have heard you since the beginning. You know, you've probably done more episodes than anyone else, I want to say, at this point. Um, and it's always good to get you back on and talk. And I don't think we've talked in a while uh, it's been a couple months at least, I think. Oh, at least. And I think we recorded for my for the Speaking of Reliability program is the last time we recorded, um, if I remember right. I, I don't remember that we did. Well, maybe we did. I, I get confused because now I'm, I'm you know, um, uh, you get me on your show. I've been on the Speaking of Reliability show. I've been on, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Carl Rob's. Rowski, Rob's, yeah, Rob's Reliability Project. I enjoy that one immensely. Um, yeah, it's, no, as you know, James, I always enjoy the chance to talk about reliability stuff. So, yep, no worries. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, for those that may not be familiar with you or hearing you for the first time, can you give us a quick intro to yourself? Uh, sure. Um, I'm a rely. I I bill myself as a reliability engineering, reliability engineering and maintenance and management consultant, and my background's been primarily in uh, the product development areas of, of how do you design a reliable system or reliable product. And so I've worked with aerospace and medical devices and um, in just about everything in out there, all kinds of different industries, and I've. My initial work in industry was actually as a, uh, a manufacturing manager or manufacturing engineer and a shift supervisor and, and working in a factory. And I learned a, an amazing amount there that applies back into the design. One thing I learned, James, was that as a, a working on a, on a floor of a factory, it's always the designer's fault. This manufacturing cannot make it better. <laughs> the end product, we can only make it worse. And, we did a lot of work to try to minimize that. And part of it was keeping our equipment well-maintained and operating smoothly. But the lot of what I do today, and since I've been in reliability for years and years and years, is we started AscendoReliability.com, which is really aimed at providing professional development for people that need to learn how to do their job and how to add value with what they do. So I'm inviting folks like you, James, to do podcasts and, and write articles. And, and I think we're over 20 plus uh, contributors on the site. So there's a steady stream of, of what you might find at a conference or you might find in technical papers or you might find in the hallway conversations uh, with your peers so we're trying to gather that knowledge and make it available to you. So that's been what I've been working on most lately. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Send over liability, a great resource. I reference it at least once a week, um, pulling up information. And what I want to do, Fred, is I want to pull on your experience with building reliable systems and, and really talk about RAM modeling. Okay. Um, so what is RAM modeling to begin with? Well, the, the term RAM 
if you depends on who you're talking to is it could be reliability and maintenance or it could be reliability availability maintainability it takes on a number of forms but they all essentially mean the same thing is if i'm modeling a system is and i want to do it from a reliability ish point of view is it's a way for us to say here's how this system works or doesn't work from a from a performance point of view and the easiest way to think of it is when you think about availability is the uptime for say a, a line and i have say eight pieces of equipment and they each have their own uh, rate of going down and when they go down they also have their own frequency or possibility of being repaired now some pieces of equipment don't fail very often but when they go down they're down for a month and other pieces of equipment go down because of a jam that can be cleared in two seconds kind of thing and so it's part of the modeling is then saying well what's the um, organization of this line are is there redundancy elements of it is there uh, we call it k out of n so like a bottling uh, piece of equipment might have 50 nozzles on it and if one of the nozzles fails well then that bottle doesn't get filled and we some of the smarter machines then don't even put an empty bottle there and it just skips that one and for throughput we can lose say five of those nozzles and keep running and still meet our our requirements and so there's that say thinking of it from a reliability point of view is it a series system is it a parallel system is that there's some other nuance of how it's organized and with the idea of if we're looking for throughput for example um but we're also taking into account, well, how does it fail? How often does it fail? What's the pattern of failures? And uh, is there, does, think of like Weibull distributions, those kind of things. And we then also look at, well, these range of failures we get are, get repaired. And re, some repairs are really simple and some take a long time. So we often use a log normal distribution as a starting point for that. But that's just one example of a, a RAM model is taking a look at a, a system or a product. How is it organized from a reliability structure point of view, series, parallel, those kinds of terms? And then how do we gather the data so that we can simulate the performance of this thing and calculate its availability, for example, or cal calculate its cost of maintenance, for example? We use the models then uh, to answer a whole raft of different questions. And it lets, it lets us do what-if type stuff uh, to identify bottlenecks, to identify choke points, to identify pain points, to identify opportunities, those kind of things. Um, especially with more complex systems, those models really help us to, to justify making a change uh, by allowing us to simulate the effects of it. And so it, it I'm just scratching the surface of what RAM modeling is all about, but that's kind of the, how I define it. Okay, so we're really trying to understand what is going to be the throughput of our process based on what fails, how does it fail, how often does it fail, and then how quickly does, how can we restore that particular failure back to a running condition? Right, and that, and I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of a bottling plant where I actually got asked to you know, create a, a model form, a, a statistical based model form. And I used a block diagram and what I needed, and they had all this information. They knew, you know, 
the number of failures and how long it took to restore. And so using that kind of information per piece of equipment allowed us to make a pretty comprehensive model of their system. And the question they were asking was, is do I need a full, re, fully redundant line? Do I build a second line? Or is there just certain pieces of equipment that we need to add redundancy to? And so the labeler, for example, uh, when it failed, it was a sticky mess. So it was a real pain to repair it. And so it took longer. And so even though it didn't fail as often, it was more complicated to get back up and running. So, and also when they changed over, it was a time consuming thing. So if they had to change the labels, the rest of the line could be up and running and they're waiting for this labeling machine just to get reset. And so the, the, one of the recommendations was have redundancy on the labeler, even though it wasn't the, 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 it wasn't the bottleneck for the throughput. That was the bottler. But the labor, la, the labeler, which is not easy for me to say for some reason, uh, <laughs> it was a pain point for just overall downtime for the line. And so if that was up and running, if I had a second one, we could start the changer over on it before the we had to shift o- change over the line. And so it then was ready and not the holding up the process. Now, you know, as well as I do is once you do that, once that's not the problem anymore, then it shifts to something else. And so the model allowed them to think through, you know, two, three steps down the road. Once we fix this problem here, what's the next most likely problem? And is it worth, then is it cost effective to solve that problem, to add redundancy or do something else? And their criteria was, you know, if we have to add out of the eight pieces of equipment we have, if we have to do redundant equipment for four of them, we may as well do the whole line kind of thing. Yep. So what we're really getting out of it is we're getting a model that says, here's where your bottlenecks are. If you make this change to this part, here's where the new bottlenecks are going to be are, um, what the overall throughput of that line or process is going to be. We're getting all that information. Well, it, that's one example of it, right? But a RAM model could also be, is um, is my preventative maintenance program working or not? You know, if we shift our policy, uh, shift the frequency of inspections or, or, you know, use changes to the way we do our business, um, we can simulate that with a decent model and, and see if it's worth doing that or not. So you can be very proactive in what if kind of scenarios with a good model. Um, it's, so it may not affect just throughput. It may be cost reduction. It may be PM optimization. It may be whatever, but you can use a, a, and it. It's such a broad term. I'm using it at the you know factory line that has eight pieces of equipment and we're modeled them on the equipment side. But you could also do a RAM model of just the bottler and dive into the, the processes that were occurring within that unique system. And then you could go into just the nozzle in alignment and sealing and timing. And the modeling can be very, very specific or plant-wide. And, so and, what, what we may want to do is set it up for the line, realize that the labeler or filler is our bottleneck, then deep dive those to figure out what's actually going on in there and what can we influence that would improve it as opposed to doing redundancy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, it, and it's a lot of our tools are like that, aren't they? It's, we get a big picture of what our objective is, but we realize that now we need to become material scientists to really solve this problem. <laughs> you know, so yep, we dive absolutely. into that. Yeah. 
This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com So when we build these models, whether it's at a equipment level, it's at a process level, that type of thing, where do we gather the appropriate reliability, maintainability data to put into this model? Because I'm guessing if you don't have good data, the model isn't going to be all that good in reality. Yeah, yeah there's that garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. Um, that's very true. But I, I, it's an iterative process. It always is. Um, you know, I knew I had eight pieces of equipment using this one example. And they, had, they were collecting uh, uh, downing events. And it was all automated. They had terabytes of data on these these the system, and so part of it was, well, here's the ty- here's a model. I got eight pieces of equipment. They're in series right now, um, and what data is available? And so I gathered that, looked at it, and go, all right, well, this is good, but it, it doesn't tell me what the failure mode was. What's the you know? So I could have sorted it more deeply within each system, but at this at the line level I didn't really need I just needed it was down 10 times today and then each downing event took you know between 3 and 30 minutes to fix and I, and I could work out enough statistics from that but as we started to ask more sophisticated questions of the model then I needed better data and at that point we didn't have failure mechanisms we didn't know why jams were occurring we didn't know why this labeler was getting jammed and stuff and so then it was down to the floor and start monitoring, start gathering straight information. And it was very manually done until we figured out, well, what is it we really need? And then do we need it long-term? And then we'd automate it. But the, the idea was is that you start with what you got. The model will always be wrong, always. It's just a given. That's the nature of modeling. Yet you can improve it. And is it good enough for what we're trying to do? Is it good enough for the answers we're we're trying to examine? And so, I, I mean, the the plant manager was like, "Well, what you got now? It passes the sniff test because the results you're getting are what I'm observing in the plant, you know, in my experience." And I'm like, "Okay, good. <laughs> Sometimes that's good enough, yep. right?" But as you start asking more sophisticated questions, there was a model that I was involved with. Um, uh, for inkjet printer or inkjet nozzles and they knew the there was like 25 or 30 specific failure mechanisms i mean they knew the chemistry they knew diffusion rates of materials and oxygen through tube walls and they they had beyond physics of failure modeling they had a, just amazing amount of information for each failure mechanism so they created a model uh that was based, organized around how the dominant failure mechanisms uh, caused their product to fail. And it evolved to the point was that if you were going to do a change to the design, you had to simulate it first to see if it was cost effective. Would this change really make a difference that was worth the investment? And so they were using the model at some point to vet any proposals. And so it became a very powerful tool across the organization, but it also took them, I think, 12 years. When I 
heard about how they were using it, it was after 12 years of use. So it gained credibility. It continued to increase in its power, its ability to actually represent what was really happening. And it was a lot of work. Granted, it was a lot of work to create a model like that. It's always with the idea of what's the purpose of this model. We don't just create a model just because. We create it to help answer some questions or inform some decisions. What I found, though, is once you create a reasonable RAM model, it finds all kinds of other questions it can address. And, it, and then it, you then get the investment to really improve it. All right. So with the RAM model, what we're, we're identifying weaknesses, issues in the system or the process, and we're using that as an input to the decision of do we address this issue or not? Do we invest mm -hmm. in a redesign here or redundancy? And that's really a major decision tool then is what it, it is. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I mean, think of it as like a, a Pareto right we we've got all these different downing events and the different parts of the equipment and and we may alter the pareto instead of just counts we may say well we the amount of downtime per type of uh, failure mode and the, we use that to prioritize where we go focus that's a very very simple in my mind a simple re reliability model right we're, we're just cataloging the data we have and organizing it in a way that helps us in, inform a decision now, when my first inkling of or thought when you said RAM model is reliability block diagramming. It's a, it's a very common way of modeling for many different kinds of systems. And you can add distribution data to it and, and get it to be pretty powerful simulation tool. But it, sometimes the modeling is more complex. And so if your system is running and it can run in a degraded mode. So I worked in one factory where if the floor got above 80 degrees Fahrenheit, um, the equipment would slow down and, and stop producing so much heat. Because at some point it just kind of then our equipment got hot and, it, and it, it took more energy to run them. So they got hotter and it just was, you know, a vicious cycle. So they governed themselves, essentially. They had sensors on them, and if it get too warm, they'd slow down. And so it was, wasn't actually a repair issue or a maintenance issue or anything, but it was, what's the effect of how often we get above that temperature? And, you know, and it obviously, we weren't in an air-conditioned factory or by any means, so in the summer, we just had to plan on lower capacity. It's just what's going to happen. But it, that level of modeling is much more sophisticated so we had to use different tools to to account for that but it ram modeling is is a spectrum of tools that allows us to address different questions and it you it ranges from pareto i think and simple back of the envelope estimates all the way up to petri nets and markov modeling and stuff like that so it can go all over the map depending on what you're trying to achieve yeah absolutely now one of the questions that I have is, what stage of the life cycle do we do this? Because you mentioned having data to validate and improve, but wouldn't we want to do this in the design phase? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. In a, in a, at design phase, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of information, um, yet we can do FMEAs, we can set up proto lines, or we have a modeling or symptoms, we have experience from similar, similar equipment, and sometimes it's not much more than a guess, right? But it allows us to at least 
get a sense of where we're having trouble or not, and then we can go get better data. But the idea is that early on, a lot of design development programs use various reliability models. Just are we going to meet our objective, right? If we're promising 10,000 bottles in, in, you know, in an hour, um, will this machine do that if the failures that we expect to occur occur? You know, and so how do we make maintenance easier or do we make the system more robust so it doesn't fail as often? Those kinds of questions are in the development process to meet your, say, throughput objective. And yeah, we don't have a lot of data, but we, we still need to answer the questions. Are we, what do we need to improve so that we're more likely to hit our objectives? And so it, it can be there. The data is a lot more sketchy. Uh, we may have to, you know, just guess. And where it becomes critically important, you know, those million dollar decision type things. Well, let's go get data. Let's set up experiments and go, go sort it out that way. All right. Excellent. So we really want to do it earlier. And then from there, once we have a preliminary concept, whether it's based on data from FMEAs, Weibull analysis of individual components, we build all that in, but then we may have to go deep dive, find different data sources, run experiments to further supplement that in the design phase, and then we validate it once it's actually built. Yeah, in an ideal world. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think, you know, if somebody's looking at creating a reliability model for their system is start where you are and and start building it out. It it and solve the problems you got in front of you right now. And you, I found that... Uh, even if you've got a warehouse full of data, it may not be appropriate to populate your model for the types of questions you're going after. And so it, it's rare that you get exactly the data sets that you need and for the question at hand. And it's, that's why you're being asked to develop it or work on it. How do we get a, a handle on this? But the, the idea is that the, the modeling is a tool to help you and your organization make decisions. And so the model's got to fit the ability to, to inform those decisions. And it, it, it's not like you do it once and it just, it, it's done. No, it's, you may create a master model that you can go back and use over and over again for different kinds of questions, different scenarios. But oftentimes, it's just as you said, James, it's, we might do a system model, but then we have to go do different models for different pieces of equipment, for new processes, for a change in product lineup or something like that. It, it's a constantly evolving skill set that we have to use of creating simulations and models in order to inform the questions that we're being addressed, we're having to address. All right, excellent. Now, what do you think makes the biggest difference in being successful with the RAM? Is it the data or is it understanding what we're trying to solve for? Oh, the second one, by far. Um, we'll never have perfect data, never right? Uh, we're going to make a bunch of assumptions. You got to be clear about that. You know, if we don't have sufficient data to inform the, the, in the model to help make an get an answer, um, we got to solve that problem, right? But it's in context for, well, how well do we need to know this, right? If we're early on in concept phase, it's basically, what's the difference between running this in series or in parallel? And what's the risk? You know, and, and so in series, one part fails, the whole system goes down. In parallel, we've added some complexity to it. So there's a higher chance of some failures, but we're more resilient because we have the, the parallel structure. And so a simple model will allow you to compare those two things and just use, you know, use the same failure rate for your equipment as a, as a, a starting point for it. 
Now, the actual failure rate in that case, because you're doing a comparison, isn't critical, right? You may want to explore what's the range of likely failure rates for the repair rates for this equipment, but it, it's a comparison. So it allows you to look at structures and, and design decisions early in concept phase. But as you're getting into where you have data and you're looking at uh, a line optimization type questions, well, then having better data and actual data from your factory and from your maintenance program um, is more informative to do those optimization type things on the floor. So it, it is in, always in context of what is it you're trying to address? What are you trying to, what decision are you informing? All right, excellent. Now, if people want to learn more about RAM modeling, where do they go? Where can they learn out more? Well, of course, Send Over Liability's got the basics about series, parallel, K out of N. Um, we have a, I don't know that we have anything on Petri Nets. I think I mentioned them earlier. We have a little bit. Uh, uh, Chris Jackson's, uh, I think, uh, as we're recording this next week, he's doing a third in a, in a series of webinars about uh, Monte Carlo Markov modeling. Um, which has been a fascinating series of getting into how do you model a system um, without a lot of ambiguity and do it very efficiently. And uh, so it's some tools I hadn't been aware of, and I'm, so I'm paying close attention and starting to use these things. But he also is an engaging presenter, so he's going to have a whole series about how to use uh, a modeling tool uh, to directly inform decisions in a meaningful way. And that's one place I'd go for sure. But there's also books and conferences and materials depending on what types of modeling you, you think you need to do. And then, James, you, as you know, just send us a note. You know, get all of James or I and we'll say, oh, in this case here, start with a block diagram and here's a, a good tool for doing that. You know, stuff like that. We can help you with if you just ask directly. Yep, absolutely. Definitely reach out if you have any questions around this topic. Um, we'll be happy to answer them for you. It might even spur some more conversations around some of the more specifics around RAM modeling. Mm -hmm. Now, Fred, I want to thank you for taking the time today. But before we go, where can people find out more about you? Is, is Ascendo, speaking of reliability, where? Well, if you want to listen to me and get a sense of how I approach problems and what questions I ask and, you know, occasional rants, then the speaking of reliability and, and the episodes we've done together, James, is probably a good place. If you like reading, then I've got articles after articles, uh, both on LinkedIn and on Ascendo under a couple different titles. Um, and then if you want to know my bio, well, that's on LinkedIn and on the about page at Ascendo. So... There's all kinds of ways to learn more about me. Or just give me a call and we'll talk. All right. Excellent. Well, Fred, I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about RAM modeling. I got some more questions now after <laughs> Sorry about that. asking you these questions, <laughs> but that's okay. So thank you for the time. All right. No problem, James. Anytime. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. 
We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.